Good morning, everybody. How are you today? Are you blessed to be here? I just want to tell you how excited I am to be here and feeling better and worth a million, not worth, but feeling like a million bucks. Uh, I've only felt like a couple of cents worth here for, for a while, so just great to be back in the saddle and doing well. Notice in your seat there's a special card. You've already heard about it on the announcement, so I'm not going to take your time and go back through it again. But for this Leadership Summit, if you can be here with us Friday night, it'll be about an hour of teaching, 30 minutes of Q&A. We've reserved a room, uh, the meeting room at Poncho's for those who'd like to go hang for a Dutch treat and just uh, be able to fellowship with other leaders. This is for folks who've been through foundations, who are part, member of Victory, maybe you're on a serve team, you'd like to help us because this is going to be a great year of growth. I'm meeting with the architect Tuesday, getting the ball rolling again for the making the plans for our new building and breaking ground and building in 2015. Put, put your hands together and give the Lord praise. So we're excited about that. Wonderful season, and we need leaders. We need folks to step up and go, you know what, I'm, I'm not just about being a consumer, but I want to be a producer. I want to be on team with you here at Victory and jump in and actually help carry the ball down the field for the sake of advancing the kingdom of God. We've got two sessions. It's going to be great. Uh, Saturday morning, uh, we'll, we'll gather about 9 with a little uh, light breakfast. Uh, child care for both of these times will start at about 9.30 specifically. Uh, with probably two 45-minute sessions and a session of Q&A at the end. We'll be finished certainly by a little bit before noon. So we're excited about being able to host Chip. Uh, I'll be back in the saddle again next Sunday starting a new series called Since You Asked. So all, the, all of those of you that have been coming to Victory for a while wonder why we do things the way we do here at Victory. We have a little bit different philosophy of ministry than might, you might find at a traditional church. We're not thinking in any kind of way that ours is better than, it's just different. And we want you to understand from the Word why we're doing what we're doing, and so that can help you really get in, in the saddle with us and help get on a team. Uh, guy behind me is here for a reason. I'm going to introduce him. He's going to be telling you what's happening with some great changes in our life groups that are coming this spring. So this is the face of our life group coordination. Everybody greet Kurt Baser today. Give him a hand, if you would, please. Thank you, Michael. Good morning, everybody. I'm Kurt Baser. I'm the Life Group Coordinator, and we're, you may see some changes coming. You will see some changes coming in our Life Group soon, and so we thought it would be a good idea to come up and let you know what's going on. We're not changing things just for the sake of changing them. Uh, if you've been here for a while, then uh, you've probably been here longer than my family has. <laughs> Victory has a lot of new faces. and. So to give a little background, in the past, our life groups were run in the spring and the fall, and they may have run for six, eight, maybe ten weeks. There were probably three to five groups each, each time, and there was a leader, and you signed up for a life group, and you basically would sign up uh, for a life group where you knew the leader, which is, works well for, for some folks, particularly people that have been around a while, and, and they, they know who that leader is, and they're comfortable with them. But for new people that don't know the leader and don't know other people, that's, that can be a little bit awkward. So what we're doing is where things are working well, we're not going to mess with it. We're not going to break what's uh, what, We're not going to try to fix what's not broke. But we want to go beyond. We want to go beyond. So to go beyond, we're going back to the beginning. And we go back to the beginning by asking the question, what is a life group? Just essential terms, what is a life group? And the definition or how we're thinking about it is a life group is essentially just a collection of people with a shared interest, a common interest, doing life together. That's what a life group is. And we're taking that and building from it. So we don't have all the walls around classes and, you know, Sunday school classes, what you traditionally think of. We're, we're starting from that definition. A collection of people with a common interest, doing life together. So we're slowly modifying things, and it began in the fall. In the fall, we did life groups based on stage of life. It wasn't just, you know, five people doing a life group and you sign up for who you want. We did one for parents of young children, parents of teens, empty nesters, a ladies group, a men's group, and a young adults group. And some of those went very, very well. They had a great response. And where things, go, where things have worked well, again, we're not going to mess with that. So this spring, you'll see some of those same stage of life uh, life groups continuing where they've, where they've had a very good response. But we're going to move, move beyond that. So, um, you know, many people, uh, many adults are just too busy to commit to doing something through the week, particularly with people that they don't know. 
And even if you have time, um, I'm personally hesitant to open up to people that I don't already know. But it's kind of a catch-22. You don't get to know those people unless you can open up to them. So back to the definition of a life group, a collection of people with common interests sharing life together. So traditionally, that common interest, that connection point uh, in you know, church-sponsor type life groups is age, marital status, and gender, or co some combination of that. So we want to go beyond that. So what am I talking about? I'm talking about new age uh, Hindu mysticism kind of stuff. <laughs> He's wife, joking. No, wait a minute. Maybe I'm not. <laughs> there might be interest there. Well, I guarantee you there will be a rumor run out of this room today from that right there. <laughs> Men's yoga, who's up for that? So I, I can't even see myself in that picture. <laughs> Y'all don't want to either. <laughs> so what am I talking about? Well, this spring we will, as I said, we'll continue to offer some of the stage of life type life groups where there's been a really good response and, hey, we, we don't want to mess with that. We want to help those in any way we can. But there's going to be some new things starting up, and they may not start at the same time. They may start at different times throughout the year as that need and, and, it, and as it fits. But there will be some groups around some, some interest, like um, health and nutrition, how to, how to eat right. We all know we need to. Um, I was talking to my wife at lunch a week or two ago, I was sitting in the Popeyes on Hacks Crossroad down the road from my office. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Sanctified stuff. Say it. And as I was sitting there looking out across the road talking to her, my eyes were kind of, and there was a building, a new building across the street from it. And it didn't dawn on me as I was driving what that was. There was no sign up yet, but the building, the shape is there. And I was sitting there, I, I got kind of excited. I said, oh, wow. They're building a Krispy Kreme right across the street. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hot Krispy Kreme. Now, nothing is Howard's or Daylight or anybody else's donuts, but if you get them hot, you don't have to chew. You just pour them down. So obviously, um, you know, something about fitness and or health and nutrition, you know, just how do you eat better, that's something that a lot of people have an interest in. Some others are fitness. Uh, there's several people around here that, that are into running uh, and others that would uh, like to but just really don't know how to get started. So maybe something to help people get started, get started slowly. How do you stretch? How do you prepare? Uh, how do you train? And then, you know, maybe as the weeks go by, you don't just talk about it, but you actually get out and do a little run and walk, uh, participate. Something around outdoors. Guys talking about outdoors and hunting and fishing and, and how to sight in your rifles in late summer, early fall, early fall to get ready for it. Um, but you know, it's not just talking about hunting and fishing and Krispy Kreme and exercising. That's the start. That's the connection point. That's the common interest. But then, in the midst of that, you talk about how how the Bible relates to those things. Something in the outdoors. You know, there's a, a book called I think it's Life from the Tree Stand, and it talks about you know the things that a guy can observe in nature and how that relates back to, to God and order and you know, things and balance in nature. So in all these things, they start around a common interest because, again, adults particularly are kind of slow to warm up to, to new people. And, you know, face it, you come in here on Sunday morning and you hopefully are greeted at the door and you get a warm handshake from somebody and you might say hello to the people that sit kind of close to you but you don't really build those connections. So through these small groups, we can get people around a common interest and build those connections. Now the purpose isn't just about learning about how to shoot Bambi better and how to eat better and, <laughs> and how to get out there and run without blowing out your Achilles tendon, those kind of things. But that's where it starts with those connections. The goal is about spiritual growth. It's about spiritual maturity. And it's about a greater sense of community and, and ministering to others, how we can minister to others. But it starts with those connections around those common interests. So look forward to some, some changes coming. Uh, there's going to be, if you like the traditional, then, then we're not taking that away. Uh, but there will be some new things coming. And if you have ideas, let myself or Pastor Michael know if there's things that 
maybe you've done in the past or, or things that, that you think would work well, particularly things that you can help us help us with, uh, let us know. So look, uh, be on the lookout for things coming, and thank you very much. Give Kurt a hand this morning, if you would, please. Thank you, Kurt. Uh, really excited. A couple of ideas that I know that are, that are cooking. Number one, uh, matter of fact, cooking is to be exact. Um, Brenna Vest was talking about doing a mother-daughter type thing, which would allow about 12, about six mother-daughter teams to actually come into her home and maybe concentrate on cooking Italian or learning how to cook some really cool things together and have some mother-daughter time. All of these things, like a couch to 5K, if you're a runner, you guys would meet and share needs and pray for each other for about 10 minutes and then maybe actually go do the 5K. Some of you walking, some of you jogging, some of you running. So it's a great way to make connections, have spiritual ministry, needs met, be prayed for, share that with others, but also do it around an interest that you're excited about doing. And this is a great way to get people into the network of the fellowship because there are a lot of folks who will never go to church and go to Sunday school, but they'll come hang out with you in a group like that and we can get them in the side door. How many of you know this is all about reaching people for Jesus? Come on, somebody. <coughs> I'm going to ask you if you would stand with me, please, one more time. Today is number four, the concluding message in this New Year's series called All Things New. And we're going to look at two passages of Scripture. Our series text has come from the book of Revelation, the last book of the canon. And then we're going to go back and grab a verse from Genesis, the very opening book of the Bible. Let's read, find a screen, read heartily out loud with me. Here we go, everybody. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also, he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. So we've already talked about this principle that God has said, I am making all things new. Notice the order of words. He didn't say, I'm making all new things. Because just change new and things around and it has a totally different meaning. To make all things new means God is willing to take the brokenness and the confusion, the chaos and disorder of your life and make something new with it. To make all new things means He's just going to blow it all up and start over. And that's not what God said was going to happen. He's going to take the messed up mess of your life and turn it into something that will be a carrier for His glory. Somebody say amen. amen. Now we're going to see how He says that we're going to do this in Genesis chapter 1. One more verse of Scripture and I'll let you sit down. Here we go. Read together with me. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. Bow your hearts with me, please, for a word of prayer. Great and mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Wonderful Counselor, Emmanuel, Provider, Healer, Comforter, Strength, Shield, Fortress, Rock of our salvation. Lord, you are indescribable. There are not enough words to be able to say how amazing and how wonderful and how good you are. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. God, we bow before you in worship today. We ask you right now in the name of Jesus that, Holy Spirit, you would come and open our ears, our hearts, our eyes. Help us to see, understand, and perceive, to hear the word of the Lord. I just acknowledge before you and this people that I utterly need you more than I ever have before. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. I'll be careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. For it is unto you that we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. you may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. God says to Adam and Eve after he makes man in his own image and in his own likeness, male and female, made he them. The Bible says he gives them what we call the dominion mandate. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. The Bible says he did that, Genesis 1.26. 27 and 28, he gives them the commandment to look at the garden, to dress it and to keep it, to subdue it, to rule over it. They were to till the ground. 
They were given everything that they could possibly think about needing. It was there already growing, not just a bag of seed, but the trees with fruit on the limbs with seed inside them. As we've read from our text today, every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. So inside the thing that was good for food to eat was also contained the ability to produce the next meal. Now it might not come in the very next meal, but it was the ability to provide for all future meals. God gave them something to eat on the spot, but He gave them the ability to produce something to eat on a future spot. So He's taking care of them now, but He's also providing for the future. Look at your neighbor and say, God plans ahead. (laughs) book of Acts says, Known unto God are all of His works from the beginning of the world. I want to help today illustrate what we're doing. So I'm going to call a couple of guys up here. We're going to actually extend the brand of CSI from the multiple opportunities you get to see, CSI New Orleans, CSI Los Angeles, and we're going to have CSI victory today. So I'm going to call on a couple of our uh, either current or former law officers. Robilio, come on up here. Dabs, help me out. Now, these, these are the guys that are in the blue and the black and the brown or have been at one point or another in our communities. Come on, either one of you on either side of me. Look and see what we have in these baggies. Take a minute. See if you can determine what that is that you're looking at. Okay? Dabs, you want to comment? It's Oak Leaf and Acorns. Okay. Well, thank, thank you for getting so specific all of a sudden. But can we blow this back out and get a little bit general? What do you see there, Officer Robilio? I hate to say this, Pastor. I see the exact same thing. Okay. <laughs> okay. They are acorns are what? Help them, congregation. What? Seeds. Everybody say seeds. Okay. So now let's see to what degree of prophetic insight and maybe if there's a little bit of faith that you see here. You see a seed, but is there something in that seed that you might be able to see potentially in the future, Officer Robilio? Growth. Growth, okay. What else, Mr. Dabbs? A tree. A tree. You can see a seed? You can see a tree in that seed? Yeah. We might have a minor prophet right here. Hallelujah. (laughs) Wow. But that's just a little rock-looking piece of matter there, but you see a tree in that? Well, they fall to the ground and then they get covered up and then a tree comes. Okay, a seedling comes up from it. Might there be a major prophet in our midst? Is there something that you might see just beyond a single tree? What else do you see there, Officer Robilio? See many trees. Oh, really? And you call those many trees a what? Group. A group of trees. Forest. A forest. All right. Now, we've got a a couple of prophets of God... (laughs) who have vision here this morning. If you would, give these guys a great big hand today. Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you very much. See, Dabs knew about it. Robilio didn't. Thank you for helping me out there. I appreciate that very much. So they've held up a little baggie of two or three acorns in both bags, and I even put a clue in there. I put an oak leaf in both of them so they could go, oh, okay, these are acorns. These are... Oak tree seeds, trying to help them out, okay? And so what I want you to see this morning is that in this seed, God has given Adam and Eve in the dominion mandate, otherwise known as the cultural mandate. We see the word cultivate. It's the Hebrew word right there in till the garden, till. When you till something, you cultivate it. Now, God provides seed. I am confident that there was order in which that seed was growing and it appeared in there in the garden. But he commissioned man to take that seed and to begin to be a co-creator along with him because man had the image of God stamped on him. In creation, we see that there are two things God is doing. He's not only making something new, but he's setting things in order. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And Pastor Jeremy preached heaven down two weeks ago, talking about the Spirit hovers, and the Spirit rebirths and regenerates, and the Spirit empowers 
I was listening in the hospital, laying there with IVs and tubes running all over the place and listening to it on my iPad going, God, thank you that you're hovering over the middle of my chaos in my life right now. And the Spirit of God hovers and then the Word of God speaks. And so the same two elements that are happening in the old creation under the old covenant are the pattern that carries into the new covenant. God doesn't just blow up your life annihilate you and start over with something fresh. He takes all the broken pieces, the mess, the junk, the tired and the sick and the worn out and all of the stuff in your life. He hovers over it to prepare your heart and draw you to himself, all of your chaos, all of your disorder. And then when he knows your heart is ready to hear it, he speaks his word and light enters into darkness. Life enters in and swallows up death in regeneration, in rebirth. And so we see, point number one, this is really my review point, remember the pattern between the old and the new creations. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verses 46 through 49 is extensive. I'm not going to take time to read all that to you. But just to say that we've borne the image of Adam who was our first father. But now the Bible says we shall also bear the image not only of the earthly Adam but of the heavenly Christ. Because I want you to recognize that when God made Adam, he didn't just see one man. He saw a seed. Inside Adam and Eve, when God brings those two elements of sperm and egg together, they enter into a co-creatorship with God. Because in the same way that every plant, vegetation, every flora and fauna, species that we see on the planet... Man is the crown of God's creation and the glory of God in the earth set to rule in the midst, to co-create along with God, except the difference between the two is, is that God is a creator in the sense that we could never be. God creates ex nihilo, Latin phrase, ex nihilo, out of nothing. Everybody say, out of nothing. We create, but we create from something. God has given us the building blocks. God said he created an egg and he said, behold, it's good. Man took the egg and created an omelet and man said, behold, it's very good. Are you with me? Now, God basically said, look, all of these opportunities are hanging on these trees in the garden, the seeds for your future. There was technology hanging out there in those trees. Don't get me wrong. I don't think they could go shake a tree and have an iPad fall out. But what I'm holding this morning is the product of generations of Adams and Eves who have taken the compounded knowledge that has been built upon one generation after another who in the image of the God who who has made us as co-creators and we've continued to shake the trees and if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And we've developed the cure for polio and we've typed blood and discovered the human genome and all of that is in the under the umbrella of subduing the earth all of that is under the umbrella of tilling the ground and and, and dressing and keeping the garden I truly believe that it was God's intention because there was a transportation system running out of the middle of the garden into all four directions that moved into the earth The Tigris and the Euphrates, which we still know of today. Two rivers that we no longer know of. The Gion and the Pishon. But it was going north, south, east, and west. So immediately as soon as God created the garden, He set a transportation system there in the middle of it so that what God was doing through Adam and Eve in the garden, they could begin to transport out of the boundaries of that. And I believe the intention of God was to take the garden and cover the earth with all of His glory. But you know the story. Here comes the whisperer. And we're not going to take time because you've, been ha- you've had this story hammered into you how this lying, whispering, questioning of God. Did God really say that? Oh, God said this and He twists the words of the Lord. Adam and Eve experienced a talking snake in Genesis chapter 3. 
And that same talking snake came and manifested itself to Jesus when he was at his weakest point in 40 days of fasting and he takes the word of God and twists it and he basically says, if you really are the son of God, then why don't you do this? And oh, by the way, I'm going to quote some scripture to you and Jesus knew the word. How many of you know the devil knows the word? He can quote it. He's going to mess it up every time. But he's going to try and quote the word and make you think something other than what God thinks about you or about your circumstances. And so in the middle of a broken, destructive, waste-howling wilderness, Jesus lived the perfect life in obedience. Our forebears, Adam and Eve, in a perfect place with everything going exactly right, managed to totally blow up the whole thing, mess it up, commit high treason, and raise two of the most punked-out, dysfunctional kids you've ever seen. One of them killed the other one. Come on, parents, take a sigh of, of, of relief and breathe a little bit. I mean, after all, if Adam and Eve were perfect in a perfect environment and still raised up messed up kids, how many of you know God is going to have some mercy on you? Are you thankful to hear that a little bit this morning? Help us, Lord, with your grace. Help our children. Help us not mess them up, oh God. And so God looked at Adam and he saw not just one man, but he saw a whole race. In the very same way that a couple of these guys kind of got some faith and they got a little inspired this morning and got talking some Holy Ghost talk and they looked and said, that's not just a seed, that's a tree. Did that microphone fall again? Sorry about that. The, the tech team will whip me after church today. That's not just a tree, but somebody else went a step forward. That's not just a tree that will grow up. It will produce multitudes of acorns that has the ability and the potential to produce the whole forest of oak trees. Come on, somebody. So when God saw Adam, he didn't just see one man and one woman, but he saw in the loins of Adam and Eve a whole race that were stamped with the image of God that were called to bear the glory of God in the earth. Even in our sin and our brokenness, we still bear the broken yet marred, but still the image of God. If you believe that, say amen. Now, what is the New Testament pattern and corollary? We've borne the image of Adam, but now we have Christ alive in our hearts. And the Bible says we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. So when God looks at Christ, when the Father looks at the Son who came and was Emmanuel, God manifested in the flesh, dwelling among men, having His tabernacle among men. Behold, He says, I am making all things new. Now that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. The old has gone. The new has come. Behold, all things are passed away. New, all, new things are coming. They're on the way. Here they are. They're happening around you all the time. To realize that, to recognize that, means that when God looks at Jesus, He doesn't just see one new man, but He sees the earth covered with a multitude of a whole new creation race of men and women. Now, if you think that's a little bit weird... That's fine. I'll take you to the scripture and show you in John chapter 12, just before Jesus was to be crucified, he took this same seed principle talking about himself and he said, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, and he was speaking about his own crucifixion, his death, his burial and resurrection. John chapter 12, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it die, it will bring forth much what? Fruit. Everybody say fruit. What is the fruit Jesus is talking about? Everybody say us. So one man becomes a whole multitude, a new creation race of people. The Bible says Jesus is the firstborn of the new creation of God. Romans chapter 8 verse 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, those he also did predestine, predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus meets with his disciples. He comes back and he's resurrected and he says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Judas has already betrayed him and gone off. And so he breathes over the eleven. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. He ascends to the heavens, sits down at the right hand of God, the majesty on high, Hebrews 1 tells us. The scripture lets us know that there were some faithful disciples who were obedient to the commandment of God that were waiting in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost, 10 days. All those faithful disciples and 120 all together and they're praying and fasting and seeking the presence of God. The day of Pentecost, 9 o'clock in the morning, God sends the Holy Spirit and 120 
are born into the kingdom of God. Now it's not just Jesus plus 11, but it's 120 more. Peter stands up with the anointing of God, possessed by the Spirit of God, walks out into the marketplace in Jerusalem, and he says, These men are not drunk as you suppose, but they are filled with the new wine of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to preach to them about the resurrected, crucified Christ. And the Bible says God pricked their hearts. And they said, what must we do to be saved? And he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins in the name of Jesus Christ. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And 5,000 got saved. So 1 becomes 11 plus 1 is 12 plus 120 plus 5,000. And a couple days later they stand up and preach again and 3,000 more get saved. And the first century rolls into the 10 centuries and 10 into 20. And right now through the ages the kingdom of God has continued to advance. Of the increase of His government and peace, Isaiah 7, 9, 9-7 says, There shall be no end. The book of Luke says, Of the increase of His kingdom there shall be no end. Right now on the planet alive in 2015, there are more Christians alive today than there have been throughout the history of 20 centuries prior. Don't tell me the kingdom of God's not advancing. Don't tell me the kingdom of God's not moving. That God is not progressively causing the glory of the Lord to cover all the earth as the waters cover the sea. Come on somebody. Do you believe what I'm saying this morning? Give God some praise. God is moving. God establishes pattern and purpose in Genesis. This whole concept of the seed that we're looking at this morning. Of two more principles I'm going to grab really quickly. Number two, (coughs) pardon me. God put man into a place with everything needed to flourish. God put man into a place with everything that he needed to flourish. Genesis 1.29, he gives them the commandment. He's made them after his image and his likeness and he tells them to subdue the earth, to dress it, to keep it, to rule over it. And the beautiful thing is, is the same God who created us also is the God who is our ruler. And you may notice this. There are people that are very creative and a lot of times they don't have a lot of order in their lives. A little bit of rough around the edges. And then there are other kinds of people that sort of bear the other side of that image, the image of God, that are folks who are sort of there, they feel called to maintain order. They are organizational. They're administrative. Oh my goodness. And we don't want to poo-poo either one of them because we need both of those kinds of people, creatives and rulers in the church. We need creatives and rulers on our teams. We need creatives and rulers in our offices. Your sales force may have the networking ability, the personality to be able to move folks. They're creative and they're they're on the spur of the moment. They can come up with a fresh idea. They can invent things. But guess what? You're going to need some accountants back in the office crunching the numbers in those cubicles to make sure that that business stays afloat. You don't just create something new, but you set things in order. Come on, somebody. How many of you have ever renovated your house before? And you know what it means when you renovate. You've got to tear something old out before you put something new in. I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your reasonable service. The Bible says this is your spiritual act of worship in the NIV. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the what? The renewing of your mind. If you check this in the French Bible, in the French translation, the word renew is the, Greek, is the French word renovare. How many of you see an English word in renovare? Everybody say renovate. When you renovate something, you tear out the old. When you tear something out, you make a what? A me- Everybody say a mess. So this is what happens. God draws people into this church and they're broken and their lives are messed up and they're struggling and they've got baggage and they've got bad habits and, and, and they're trying to break that stuff and they're, they're, their life is a mess and God draws them and he, his, his spirit hovers over them and, and His word speaks into their chaos and their darkness and He makes something new and it's wonderful. But in the middle of making all that new, there's still a mess. And we're called to come alongside them and love them and disciple them and help them begin to set what's not in order, what is in disorder, to begin to get it in order. Come on, somebody. That's one of the things that's so beautiful about the first of the year. You go and you look at a closet that you've been having to back up on and try to bump the lock to make sure that everything gets held in the closet because it just comes down and attacks you with loving hugs when you open the closet door. Or maybe the junk drawer. 
or let's get beyond that. Maybe the attic or maybe the garage. Lord, have mercy on my soul. That's my spring project. I was going to do it first of the year and then got hit with staph infection and then back in the hospital. And so I've got disorder and chaos going on in my body. And getting that back in order required a mess of tubes and doctors and no rest. You can't get well in a hospital. They're poking me and waking me up every stinking 15 or 20 minutes. To the point I finally said, if you let me go home, I'll get better. I mean, is it just me or? And so many times God does something new and fresh in our lives and, and we don't continue it long enough to get things cleaned up where you're excited about the new kitchen you just put in and you can celebrate and have a good time and cook some meals and enjoy the family. And so many times we're, we're still trying to clean up the bad habit that we don't really take time to look and see, look what God's installed into my life. I have new hope and fresh faith and there's joy in my heart. And we're so worried about all the mess. How many of you know, you just keep on walking with Jesus. He's going to take care of the mess. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing me? God set Adam and Eve down into a place where everything was already provided so that they could flourish. He gave them not only their current meal, but He provided the opportunity for them to get involved and work. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We've done said a dirty word now. You know, you turn on some of the TV preachers and basically all you need for prosperity is just to write them a check every month. How many of you know, as long as the children of Israel were watching, walking through the wilderness, God basically laid their sausage, egg, and cheese McMuffin right down on the lawn for them every day. It was called manna. Everybody say manna. What does manna mean? Bread. It does not mean bread. Manna is a question in Hebrew. It means what is it? Everybody say what is it? When the miracle of God happens in your life, you don't even have a word to describe it. You just have to say manna. What is it? I don't know, but thank God He's providing. Hallelujah. Forty years, every morning they went out there and manna was on the ground. They just had to pick it up. There was still some work involved. God didn't just say, oh, hey, open your mouth. I'm like a little bird. I'm just going to drop it down there. No, they had to get up and go gather it. Look at your neighbor and say, work. work. Somebody said one time, success is the only place that appears in the dictionary first before work shows up. If you're going to succeed, you're going to have to work. Adam and Eve were called by God to work well before the curse was ever given. Work, your work is not under the curse. Heaven is not a, a sort of a, an eternal retirement village where you can sit around in a big diaper and pluck a three-string harp <laughs> and hang out on a cloud and not do anything. Heaven is basically a curse-free, sin-free work environment where we're going to bring glory to God. I'm commissioned now in the mandate, the dominion mandate, the cultural mandate. What was in, the, in Genesis 1 is the commandment of God over man. Now is in the end of every one of the Gospels. It's called the Great Commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. And he says, guess what, guys? This, this thing that's defined my people group all through, through, the, through history, I'm going to show up and lo, I'm going to be with you always, even unto the end of the world. Come on, somebody. Put your hands together and give the Lord praise. I love that. God set them down in a garden where everything was already there for them, provided for them. Hey, great. That sounds great for Adam and Eve. You just don't know where I'm working. Well, guess what? Maybe you need a fresh perspective on your boss and the cubicle and the actual day-to-day -day grind that you're going through. That's your garden. If you'll start shaking the trees in your garden, I promise you God will give you some means that you can work and you will begin to see blessing and promotion and increase come in your life. The manna continued for 40 years, but when the children of Israel crossed the Jordan into the promised land, when they finally got into the promised land, the land that's flowing with milk and honey, guess what? The Bible says the manna ceased and they grew corn in the land. How many of you know corn doesn't just grow randomly? How do you grow corn? You till the ground, you plant the seed, God waters it, you get out there and you bring in the harvest. Everybody say W-O-R-K. Come on, spell it. W-O-R-K. God will bless the work of your hands. He will prosper 
what you set your hand to. I believe in prosperity, but biblical prosperity is God basically looks at the, the Hebrews and He says, I'm sending you into a land flowing with milk and honey and there's copper in those hills. Ooh, that sounds good. Lord, give me about 100 acres of some hills with some copper in it. Okay, now I own it. Praise God. Give it to me, Jesus. And He says, guess what? Here's a pickaxe and here's a shovel. Success is spelled W-O-O. R-K. Now when we're out here just sort of, you know, pulling our heavenly slot machine and sending in whatever we think it is and God's going to just dump blessing on us, we don't realize that He says, hey, I'm going to bless you when you pick up that axe and that shovel. I've given you the land. There's copper already in the land. I've already provided for all of your blessing. There's a seed hanging around here somewhere that if you'll start to plant it, it's going to bring increase back into your life. It'll feed you now in the current meal, but it'll also provide for your future meals. Come on, somebody. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, this is not just a financial message. This is a message about a relationship that's broken, and you decide to get up and do something about it. You can pray until you're blue in the face, but, sir, until you decide to encourage her and love her so that all of a sudden the frown becomes a smile... And the tension becomes peace. And the confusion gives way to clarity. And a husband who loves a wife and who walks beside her. And, and, and ma'am, you begin to reinvest and sow back into him. All of a sudden, a marriage that's on the rocks begins to see itself living in a house that's built on the rock. Come on. And change begins to come because you are planting for change. The title of the message is Restore, capital S, Restore. God wants to take us back to his storehouse because He's provided for everything that we need in order to flourish. Hear that. It was the late Norman Vincent Peale, someone that I can grow and glean from, had some good ideas, some good thoughts. And any teacher that you find you might not agree with, learn to employ the watermelon principle when you eat from anybody else's table. Eat the good, spit out the bad. You don't have to agree with every jot and tittle of everybody. Matter of fact, I've probably over the years said some things that you don't necessarily agree with, but you can know that the favor of God and the blessing of God is on this place and the gospel is being preached. Come on, somebody. So something you, don't, you can't necessarily swallow, spit it out, hold it, maybe put it on a shelf, maybe God will teach you later. But you can learn to be able to respect and draw from and glean and be fed by different ones that you might not necessarily agree with everything that they say. If you understand what I just said, say amen. amen. Look around at your circumstances. Norman Vincent Peale said it this way, your problems contain the seeds for their own solutions. You want promotion in your life? You want increase? With promotion usually comes more money. You need increase in your finances? Become a problem solver and not a problem maker. And guess what happens? When you get a promotion, you've just been given the right and the authority to tackle bigger problems. And you're calling on God going, God, give me wisdom. Help me to lead with faith and understanding. And I'm not going to be a problem maker on my job. I'm going to pray for my boss. I'm going to help rally the troops and we're going to create a whole work environment and a, and a, a team spirit in this place that we can begin to take this particular local representation of this company to the top of the list. When people begin to do that, God shows up and He blesses. Come on, somebody. Number three, and I'm finished. In Christ, you have already been provided with everything you need. Right now, in your life, you don't realize it, but you've been set down into a garden of circumstances. And if you will just take time to shake the trees around you, you will find some seeds in those places that will begin to multiply and will bless you. A number of years ago, actually I guess 17, 18 years ago, a group of people showed up at my house in June. It's just hot as Hades outside it's probably 100, 101, 102 degrees, and I've got several pallets of sod that have been delivered to my new house on Geelan in Marion, Arkansas. <clears throat> Here comes Jerome Alford, and he's got Chad Gaddis, and they've got a couple of four-wheelers, and they're dragging pieces of chain-link fence around <clears throat> trying to get all the dirt clods out of the ground. I didn't ask anybody to come. I was just going to do it over the next few days. I'd taken a week off, and 
was going to get it laid and get the sprinklers out there. And all of a sudden, without anybody knowing it, somebody had called around in the church and they got 20 guys together and they came over there and one day got all that laid for me. And I'm just like blown away. And in the middle of that, Chad Gaddis, some of you know Chad, he's back here running the camera. He's, he's riding around on that yard out there trying to get stuff uh, you know, set because I laid sod in the side and the front and I, I put seed in the back. And so he's out there trying to get it all ready for me. And somebody rides by who's a builder who knows him. And he said, hey, I've got a couple of houses going out here. Is there a possibility that you could come do that on the yard for me? And what Chad was doing as a seed to bless me, 15 years later becomes a business where he doesn't just own a four-wheeler, but it turned into a backhoe and a tractor and all of this kind of stuff, and it became a very lucrative business that blessed his life because he looked around and there was something that he was pretty good at... And it was a seed that God put in his hand. He said, hey, I can do this and I can bless my family with it. Years back here, we're at a stale, stalled out place in this church and I'm needing more finance because my kids are growing and, and, and we're, we're looking for college and it's coming and man, these bills are not, they're not getting smaller. And I looked around, the church didn't have the ability to give me a raise and so I said, God, what, what, what do I have? And he asked me the question he asked Moses in Exodus chapter 3 and he said, what's in your hand, Michael? I didn't hear an audible voice. I heard it inside here. He took me back to the scriptures, how he spoke to me. He said, what's in your hand? I remembered God asked Moses what was in his hand. And there was a staff in Moses' hand. God showed Moses. He said, I'm going to take the 40 years of training that you've led sheep in the wilderness and I'm going to cause all of those lessons you've learned because I've called you to shepherd my people Israel out of bondage into freedom. You're going to be a shepherd leader. And so I said, okay, God, I see that. I know what God used. God used Moses' natural training to become his spiritual leadership. And he said, what's in your hand? And I said, there's some keyboard skills in my hand. There's an ability to, to lead people in worship and to, to do things with music. And guess what I did? I took out an $8 little ad in the evening times and I said, piano teacher taking new students. And do you know before I could say, look at there, I had a waiting list. And what was in my hand became an opportunity for me to do something as another stream of income to bless my family. What am I saying to you? I'm saying you've got something in your hand. You have seed that God's already given to you that will bless your life. If you'll shake the trees and look around and quit saying, Oh, poor pitiful me. I'm just, just sorry. I'm just messed up. I mean, you know, as long as you focus on your limitation, that's all you're ever going to focus on. But if you can start looking around and seeing God's provided everything you need. Y'all aren't hearing me. Help me, Holy Ghost, end this thing. Christ has already provided everything you need right now. That's what the Bible says. Ephesians 1.3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. That is past tense. It's yours right now. You're just not walking in the blessing that Jesus has already given to you. How do you get a hold of it? Take a hold of it by faith. And sometimes you mix work with that faith because God gives you an idea. God gives you wisdom. He connects you in a network to a new relationship. That relationship produces something new. Oh, I don't know what I think about that, Pastor. Give me something else. i got to have... Two or three witnesses from the Word. Okay, here we go. 2 Peter 1.3 His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So Paul told us in Ephesians 1. Peter now has told us in 2 Peter 1. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence. Your garden has everything you already need in it right now to feed you in your current meal, and to provide for your future meals. All right, let me give you another one. Are you getting anything out of this? Because I'm wrapping it up right now. Isaiah 55 verse 10. Listen, prophet Isaiah says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. God gave man the wheat seed. God said it's good. Man grew the wheat, ground it, baked it into bread, and man said, it is very good. Are you following me? So we enter into the co-creatorship with God 
He does it out of nothing. We do it with the tools and the something that He has created out of His own creative Word. The egg becomes the omelet. The wheat becomes the bread. The idea becomes the technology. Shake the trees in your garden. Look at your neighbor right now and say, come on and shake the trees. All right, that's a great Old Testament scripture, but some of you go, well, that's Old Testament. You know, God doesn't do that anymore today. Okay, fine, fine. Sit there in your unbelief. Listen to me. Now, here we go. 2 Corinthians 9. Listen, three verses and I'm finished. 8 through 10. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Everybody say, God's grace. Verse 9, as it is written, He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. Here it comes. Key verse, verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. Paul takes that very same Isaiah 55, 10 passage, brings it into the New Testament. The, the Isaiah said, giving seed to the sower, bread to the eater. The apostle Paul says, He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. So God not only gives you something to eat right now, but He puts something in your hand that will provide for your future meals. Last principle, and I'm going to let you go home. Look on the screen. Read this one out loud with me. Here, Everybody say it together. Come on. Don't consume all of your seed. Eat some. Plant the rest. The title of the message is Restore. Planting for change. This message is not about finance, but we're not going to be so spiritually minded that we're no earthly good that we exclude finance. I challenge everybody in here in this room, even if you can't tithe, you should never leave this service and not put something in an orange envelope, even if it's a penny, even if it's a dime, it's an act of faith. You are seed conscious. You are sowing a seed. You're saying, Father, you've said you would distribute to the poor, that you've given seed to the sower and bread to the eater. And God, I don't want to eat all of my seed. I don't want to consume it all. So I'm sowing this quarter today. You know my need. And I pray that you will multiply finances into my life and set my checkbook in order so that I don't just run willy-nilly with my money, but I learn how to pay my bills on time. I see, oh, it's fine until I said that part. Y'all don't. See, you want God to bless you, but, but you don't want to be, don't want to get it in order. If tithing does anything, it makes you get your life budgeted. It's amazing how when order comes, God makes blessing begin to follow. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's amazing how you get something in order in your life. You go home and you get that one drawer that contains everything in the world so you don't even want some people to know what's back in the back of that drawer and you decide to get that drawer in order and throw it away it's amazing how you get excited because order has come to a little part of your life and you'll get excited and go clean up the closet and next week you'll be so excited because the closet's in order because things are there everything is in its place everything has a place everything's in its place you get excited it's amazing how all of a sudden it starts to touch your spirit and you say hey I'm going to get in the word and I'm going to take five minutes and sit down and meditate a scripture you start to get your spiritual life in order and it begins to spread out into all the other areas of your life come on somebody hear me you begin planting for change you don't despise the tiny seed you don't just look at